Welcome to Redefining Reality, where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Listeners, welcome back to another episode of Redefining Reality, where today I'm bringing you a conversation I had with my friend Dean Dwyer. Now, I'll try and keep this as short as possible, but a few things to look out for. I mentioned a book during our conversation, and I forget the name of said book, and that was Pamela Slim's Body of Work. It's a fantastic book, fantastic read, and very practical, very hands-on, lots of exercises to help you really get clear about figuring out what exactly it is you're supposed to be doing here or that you're well-positioned to be doing um, for business and life. So that's the book, Body of Work, Pamela Slim. There's definitely a bit of thinking out loud in this conversation, which I hope you'll bear with and uh, maybe you'll get something from. I hope you will. And... A few things I wanted to just pull out and highlight that you can listen for are Dean's idea of rewriting and practice, rather, of rewriting ideas over and over and over and journaling every day in order to get clear and get uh, down to the essentials of what it is that's coming through. Something I'm working on, a daily journal, and something that uh, many, many successful folks have put as one of their top habits for success. So check that out. Another thing that we get into, why sexy doesn't mean powerful or effective when it comes to tools and ways to structure your day, ways to do business, ways to organize, and how simplicity and consistency um, are really some of the most impactful for long-term change. We also touch on the importance of becoming a creator rather than a consumer or rather shifting that balance, limiting the amount of inputs that you have if you're going to be able to create anything, do any creative work. And then seeing work as projects with clear start and end dates and how when we do that, it allows us to be more objective and more accurate in what we're committing to, how long we're committing to it, and then being able to look back and see the results. Very, very powerful stuff. So without that, I will let the interview roll and enjoy. This is Dean Dwyer. Take care. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Redefining Reality where we break down optimal health in the 21st century and the many facets of that, um, what that means from a nutritional perspective, from a social perspective, from a financial perspective. It's infinite, and that's why I love it, and that's why I love getting awesome people on here to talk about these things, share their ideas, share their stories, <laughs> and uh, paint a clear picture on what's possible for all of us as we move forward. 
So today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Mr. Dean Dwyer, a uh, fellow Torontonian. Um, Dean's an entrepreneur, a blogger, speaker, author of a couple books uh, that make shift happen and the willpower solution. And I had the pleasure to cross paths with him recently. And uh, now he's on the podcast. So, Dean, how are you doing? Very good, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. I know it was. Uh, we were just talking offline about that. It was a pretty surreal experience to, uh, you know, to run into somebody who's a podcast listener or to run into somebody who is, you know, doing a podcast. It, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, although I imagine it's happening more often than it ever has. But um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, just a, a brief thing for, for the listeners. Um, I, I'm working at a place called Impact Kitchen, and I saw Dean come in a couple of weeks ago, and he was chatting with a couple of people who I I have met and who I know. And I thought, hey, man, I used to listen to his podcast like two years ago. And it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Um, you know, and I think we'll, we'll get into this, but it really shows your passion for teaching. Um, they came through. I remember in each episode you say you treat it as a course, not a podcast. So get your notes, review, study, and apply it. Because if you don't do that, then uh, you know what's the point. You know what's so funny, Brian? Is so I'm I'm looking I'm I'm getting ready to launch a new podcast, and I was just sort of thinking about how do you um, how do you stand out from everybody else? And I, it's funny. I started off doing that, talking about it being a course, and then I kind of I kind of drifted away from it. I We'll get we can get into the podcast itself, but uh, kind of yeah, got yeah. away from it. But was just sort of making notes again in terms of how do you distinguish yourself from everybody else? And it was like that was one of my distinguishing features that I realized that most people still don't do. We don't really treat podcasting like it's a course. We sort of treat it as I'm not exactly sure how people treat it, but we uh, we don't treat it I think necessarily with the respect that a podcast deserves in terms of what it really is. So interesting that you brought that up because I literally was thinking about that this morning. Beautiful, yeah. No accidents there. No accidents <laughs> there. Um, and so let's uh, let's just give people a bit of an idea of of who you are and sort of your background and, and your story. I mean, you are now um, you know working for yourself, doing online business, coaching, podcasting. You know, at the you really establish yourself in the paleo primal world. At least that was your start, it seems. Um, but uh, but there's a history behind that. Um, so maybe you could just take us through a bit of your journey. Sure, um, I'll try. I'll try not. <laughs> I'll try not to go uh, into too much depth. You will. Uh, you will notice that I have no shortage of words, so I uh, talking is not a problem. Uh, but my background was teaching, and I I taught for all told for about seventeen years. But I would probably say my third year I. Uh, was teaching overseas and a woman came over who uh, was acting as a consultant uh, based she used to be a teacher but was now a consultant and that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I could do something other than teach which really really appealed to me I just didn't know what it was that I could do and I I sort of spent the next 15 years trying to figure out how to pry myself out of teaching and uh, you know did a lot of reading a lot of soul searching but I just I, I couldn't figure out how to make the jump and uh, one day I was reading an article from Jason Freed, um, uh, who uh, has a company now called Basecamp, used to be called 37 Signals. And in his story, I realized that everything he talked about that he had done, he was sort of doing like a, a basically kind of what I'm doing, kind of a bio of his past. 
was that everything that he had created was a problem that he had. So essentially he was solving his own problem and selling a solution. And that was a huge insight for me and a huge turning point because at that point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do and I was trying to find different niches that I could go into and capitalize on. And that made a ton of sense to me. And I had just started the paleo diet about three or four months before and I had success with it. And I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll start sharing that story. I'll just start sharing some of the things I was doing. I looked at the space, the paleo space. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not an exercise physiologist. Um, so I knew that I wasn't going to be able to compete with people on that level. I would have just been another Me Too blog, but uh, I was fascinated with the mindset behind change in general, not just not just with diet and exercise, but any kind of change we're trying to make in our lives and realized that very few people were actually talking about that. In fact, very few people are still not really talking about that in any of the spaces. And I thought that that was an opportunity for me to distinguish myself. And it did. I, I, I had, you know, garnered a bit of a following. I got to speak at Paleo FX uh, three times over the last few years. And from that, I got a book deal, which, as you mentioned, was called Makeshift Happen, which it's not really a paleo book. It was more a book about change. There's a chapter on paleo, but it was more a book about uh, the mindset, you know, to change how you look by changing how you think. And did that for a few years and then realized that my interests were, were a, a beyond sort of just changing how we look, but actually changing how we live, which also includes, you know, obviously health and fitness. And... Um, I've spent the last year, I, I took myself offline last year to rethink where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And later this month, I'll be I'll be uh, launching my new stuff. So yeah, that's sort of a, a short history. I'm, we'll get into different things, I'm sure, as we go along. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, thank you for that. Because yeah. it's always nice for people to have a bit of context. You know, you see someone who's either doing something you want to do or is in a space you want to you know, you look up to and you think, oh, you know, I can never get there. But it's like, no, we're all human. We all started somewhere. Um, we've all had challenges that we've had to overcome and, and ways to sort of adapt and move forward as we move toward what it is we really want to do. So it's nice to get, you know, a little bit more of the story. Um, and I'm I'm with you. I, context is important. I, I, I think that it helps people, again, just sort of put ideas and perspectives in place when you understand where someone's come from. So yeah, I, I, I love, I love people's sort of origin stories. So yeah, well, it's something, it's something very, I think just instinctual. It's like ingrained in our DNA. It's like, you know, learning from story and sto being able to story tell, which I've heard was like the number one skill as it were, um, or it would have been the number one skill for thousands of years in our sort of tribal cultures. Um, to be able to captivate and convince people and, you know, garner support for whatever it is you're doing um, would be incredibly reliable, even more so when you're just with a small group of people, right? Now we have the internet and we can reach thousands of people. So the scaling is just another whole new world. It's interesting, too, when you talk about story because it actually hasn't changed. It's still um, from anybody who is looking to go into business for themselves and sell their own ideas. Uh, the power of story is incredible. When you look at the people online who are doing really, really well, like the Brendan Bouchards of the world, is they are constantly retelling their story, their origin story, how they got started, um, because it, it helps us connect with people. Otherwise, we sort of see them. Um, I always tell the story. I went to an Anthony Robbins, I was going to say concert. It wasn't a concert. <laughs> uh, he had a talk uh, back in the 90s that I went to. And it was really inspiring. But when I got home, I realized that the problem was 
was that he was way up there and, you know, I was where I was and I didn't see how I could sort of close the gap, like what I could do to get to where he was. And so while his story was inspiring, I felt like I didn't connect because there wasn't enough of his story. His story was very brief. So I, I really didn't feel like I could actually do anything that followed a similar path. So yeah, story is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's reminding me that this is something I really need to work on myself. Um, because a few people, I mean, I tell my story to people when they ask, but um, I've never really flushed it out and like really woven the thread that connects it all together. I mean, the process of doing it, there's this great book called, uh, what's it called? I'll, I'll, I'll link to it after, but um, I just started listening to it today and it's about weaving, finding the thread that weaves together your career um, or your life as it were. Um, you know, being the type of people where we are, I think we, we don't separate career and life. You know, it's, it's work-life integration, not balance. It's not some separate thing. And that's what I would hope for, for more of us, you know, that we can find that work-life integration and find those ways to, to weave the stories together into a more cohesive narrative. Really, I guess, to bring meaning, right? To, to create our own meaning in whatever it is that we're doing. Um, it's too easy to get uh, to get downtrodden and to think, you know, what I'm not what I'm doing now is, is not important or it's not meaningful or it's not my purpose. I love when people say that it's not my purpose. But um, yeah, it's 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 really important, I think, to to find to value every part of the story and to to trust that it's that it is a part of the story, right? It wouldn't be happening if it wasn't part of the story. Mind you, this is just sort of my own thoughts. This is going to be like a little bit of a self-therapy, uh, <laughs> self, self-coaching session, uh, perhaps. I but, um, a ton of thinking out loud. Like I, I find a lot of times, which is always fun when you're doing these kinds of things because questions come up and in ways that you've never actually thought about them before. And you start talking about something and you're literally thinking out loud as you're going as you're going along, which is, which, is, which is the great thing about these kinds of dialogues is that it, it, it is, it's not just about, you know, it's not just about asking so many questions, but you literally weave ideas together as you're sort of going along. And that's that's the brilliance of these sorts of things. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so I wanted to um, jump in a bit on so behavior change. Right. That's that's the whole sort of underlying piece of a lot of your work. Right. It's sort of, you know, in the paleo space, but behavior change, diet and lifestyle. And I heard you on another podcast recently. I think it was the Low Carb Show. Oh, Low Jimmy Carb. Moore. My gosh. Yeah, that was a while ago. But yeah, yeah. Or it might have been a different one. There was two guys. Two guys interviewing you. Uh, they were like French. One was French, I think. Oh, and one was... Uh, yeah, shoot. Um, I, gosh, I completely forgot their names. I met them at Paleo but, FX last year. Yes, yes. Um, but so... You know, I think you you pulled a few stats in that podcast that something about you know ninety five percent of dieters gain the weight back and then some, um, or just anyone trying to make a lifestyle shift um, that the success rate is very very low. I'm curious if you have what your thoughts are on sort of you know the roots of that, because like it feels like with all the diet books and all the programs, you know, we're sort of addressing the, the fluffy side. It's like, oh, you get pumped up, you learn how to cook a new thing, and then life goes back to normal. What are the roots? Why is it so hard for humans to make change, you think? 
Well, that's a, first. That's a great question, and, and it's a big question, and, and I'm not sure that I, I'll I'll give you my perspective on what what I sort of think it is. Because I, I think first of all, um, one of the big problems that I believe is out there when you look at the solutions is that most of the solutions um, are sort of addressing a symptom, but they're not actually addressing a root cause, and so we end up. Try, again, so you can you, you end up. We we've all kind of heard that sort of you know analogy before or that story before, um, but very few very few of the solutions out there actually help people address what the root cause is because there's usually something else. Uh, so, for example, in, in the health and fitness space, what ends up happening is most people think that. So let's just say they've gained weight. So they've gained an extra 20, 30, 40 pounds, whatever it happens to be, and they're in a place now where they're not happy with how they look. We believe that food's the problem, and and so we try and diet and exercise our way out of that situation. But but the reality is, if you were to look at, if you were to drill that down and say, well, weight gain is actually a symptom. It's a symptom of something else. The obvious solution is to say it's the food and the and the exercise, which both are important, but those are not the main culprits that cause us to eat because the reality is also, by the way, I realize I'm using the phrase, the reality is I'll try not to use that anymore, but, uh, but you know, if you, your reality, is. <laughs> yes, yes. My reality is that, um, uh, there are other things that there are, we don't always eat poorly. We don't always, we're not always sitting on the couch doing nothing. I mean, there are times in our, in our day, in our lives where we are doing the things that we should be doing, but there are things that prevent us from doing that. And so, like for me personally, I know that when I'm not properly focused on the career stuff that I'm doing um, in terms of running my own business, I know that when I let those things slide, that I get stressed out. And stress for me typically manifests itself as I just get tired. I don't get necessarily irritable. But along with that, I also crave certain types of foods that do not agree with my body type. And so while the food is definitely important, for me, it's sort of stepping back and realizing the root cause is the fact that I'm not adequately addressing a particular area of my life that influences a lot of the other things that I'm doing. And I think that that's the same for a lot of people, that there's there are other things going on that we're, we choose not to address. So if you're in a broken relationship, uh, and we all know people who are, um, it's really hard to fix a broken body when you do not address a broken relationship because you're always coming home to that situation and the stresses that that evokes and that causes certain reactions and for a lot of people again it's food that we start, we turn to certain types of foods to help us deal with that so if you're not really looking to see what the root cause is and understanding the difference between um you know what 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 are symptoms and what are root causes then you're not really going to have a lot of success long term which is how most people go the other thing that i would say brian too is um there's a difference between outcomes and behaviors. And what sells in the weight loss space is the lose 20 pounds in 20 days or, you know, whatever those, those unrealistic, impossible promises that you, you can't, people can't ethically make a promise like that, like that, like that, because that, because like calculating interest on a $5,000 loan, it's uh, it's different for everybody. Uh, but that's very sexy and that sells. And so people are really, you know, really gravitate towards a short-term solution. But it focuses on an outcome. What it doesn't do is it doesn't actually teach you the behaviors that will allow you to allow weight gain or sorry, weight loss to happen. And um, and that's a slow and within that, that's there's a whole bunch of things we get into with that. But 
ultimately when you, when you're talking about behaviors, we do a lot of stuff that's not sustainable. So when you look at like um, people who jump on these 30 day fasts as a way to kind of get themselves started, that's a horrible approach for people because you can't at the, first of all, very few people ever make it through the 30 days and people who do kind of use it like a reverse countdown so that when they get to the end of the 30 days, they're thinking is, ah, now I can go back and I can start having some of these foods I wasn't eating. But that's not the point of all this. The point of all this stuff is to begin to adopt behaviors that you can sustain for a lifetime, not just for 30 days, but for a lifetime. And so um, the approach to all this stuff, I believe that, that people miss the boat on this stuff, is that they focus on these sexy solutions. And as humans, we get caught up because there's great marketing stories behind that. We get caught up in those stories and we do things that just aren't sustainable long term for us. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a hard spot that I found myself in when I look at the industry and I think about running my own business and making a healthy financial income from that and like the approaches that I see other people taking. And it's like what you said, I can't honestly and ethically um, promote these sorts of things. But 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 there's a temptation. There's like a temptation there to like, oh, it's just the, it's quick and easy. Oh, it might help a few people. Oh, like if they're silly enough to go for it, that's their fault. And that's a whole other sort of consumer psychology piece, I guess. But um, it's fascinating because the type of coaching that I like to do with people when I do optimal health coaching with them is a very intensive sort of. I think of it as environmental redesign where we're stripping their home, their kitchen bare, we're going shopping, we're completely restructuring the nutrition choices and then bringing in the education as to why we're doing that. You know, we're buying these foods for a reason. We're not buying these for another reason. So that people understand, you know, the, the reasoning behind it rather than just listen to what I say and you'll be okay. Um, but by the way, environmental issues are root causes, right? So, I mean, that, that mm -hmm. approach is fundamentally sound in the fact that we don't realize how environment impacts us, just as we don't realize that there are people we surround ourselves with, for example, who suck the life out of us. And we don't understand that when we constantly put ourselves in that situation or those situations, um, that that has that 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 comes with a cost, you know. And again, whether it's it creates a stress that causes me to eat a certain way, or it depletes all my energy because I'm exhausted. We all know people that at the end of a meeting you walk away and you're completely drained, and we don't mm. we don't really consider that. But that's an environmental factor that we don't really consider. But it's hugely important, especially in the health and fitness space. If I'm hoping to work out at the end of the day, I've got to do everything I can to protect my energy levels. And when we surround ourselves. With you know, when we place ourselves in toxic toxic environments, whether it's the physical surroundings of our home and the kinds of things that you're doing and helping them clean that space out, or as people, those things are all part of root causes that very few people actually address, which are hugely important to the whole journey of changing how you look. Good for you that you do that, by the way. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, I figure I don't want to waste anyone's time, whether that's my time or my client's time or their money. Um, and so if we're going to do something and if I'm going to work with someone, I want results to be happening. I want to make sure that it's not done in vain. Um, so yeah, 
I think my ideal, I'm working towards this at some point, maybe next year. My ideal setup is to have a mobile home optimal health studio that I can travel around with and then do live in for like a, a long weekend, a week, two weeks, live with people and help them redesign everything that way. So we'll see. That's that's down the line. I'm planting those seeds now, but that's uh, down the line. But um, Somebody that you may want to uh, – who initially got into that was a guy by the name of Drew Canoli. So he had tremendous – do you know oh, Drew? Oh, yes. Uh, I do. Yeah, he's got a – he's Life got TV. Yeah, he's got a really successful um, – he is he has evolved from that. Um, but that was that was his first start when he had changed – when he was able to change his own appearance, he started working with high-end clients where he would fly to their place – and I think it was three or four days or whatever it happened, you know, whatever it happened to be, but would uh, would get in there. And again, just a, a complete overhaul of everything and, you know, showing them how to work out, showing them how to grocery shop, showing them how to eat, helping them clear out their homes of any of the uh, things that might be, you know, causing sticking points and those sorts of things. But it's, uh, you know, it's a service that that there a group of people out there would certainly pay for. Yeah, that's my belief. And so building towards that moving on a bit and we might take some some you know some 90 degree turns here love the but, 90 uh, degree turns yeah, fan. yeah i'm a big fan <laughs> and i love i love diving into sort of you know the the some of the details on what it, it the, the pieces that people have brought together that are you know their unique recipe for success or creating a successful day as far as i can tell success is just stringing together a lot of good days you know, more good days than bad. So that, you know, the balance is, is on your favor. And so with that in mind, um, morning routines, morning rituals, habits, how does, how does your day start and or end? We can touch on both sides because I think the evening is just as important in many ways that a lot of people don't talk about. So, yeah. And this is actually something I'm really fascinated with, but not something that I necessarily think that I'm particularly great at. Um, in terms of how my day starts, um, I don't, the routine can vary for me from time to time, but, but one thing that does not change on a day to day basis is I journal. Uh, and I have been journaling now. It's funny. I went through the first half of my life. I was 27 before I even had any sort of self-discovery at all. I wasn't reading. I didn't write. I didn't do anything. And then at 27, I had a shift and I just started to to write down my thoughts and that uh that that i i almost feel um it, i i don't feel i don't feel good when i actually don't have an opportunity to journal like i feel like there's something missing in my day so my day always is comprised of journaling and i can brian i can spend sometimes i'll spend like this morning i was probably in my journal for about an hour and a half. And so I spend a fair amount of time there. And essentially for me, it's trying to get out of my head. I live a lot of my life in my head. Um, there are pros and cons to that, but I do think there's more cons than pros. And so I try to try to capture whatever it happens to be that I'm thinking about. It's always usually business stuff in terms of what I can do to, to offer more to people and, and how I can go about doing that. Um, that's, that's the main thing in terms other things are very sporadic. Like I got out, um, Probably in the last couple months, I now walk a lot um, and try to get in eight to ten kilometers a day for walking. I find walking to be very meditative for me. A lot of um, 
just there's a lot of benefits to walking, but uh, I, I I do a lot of my thinking as I'm walking. In fact, I, I I talk to myself out loud while I'm walking. I look like a crazy guy because I, I like to hear my thoughts as I as I'm going along. So it really helps me solidify my thinking. And and I know if you look back at some other people like Einstein and, and a number of other great minds, they uh, I think um, uh, Benjamin Franklin as well was was known for this, but they did a lot of walking as well too. I'm not comparing myself to them, but I I think that there is sort of a um, it does help sort of, of cement ideas and, and, and bring maybe uh, unconnected ideas together in a way that to me I find very relaxing. I've never been a runner. I've never enjoyed running, uh, those sorts of things. So those are probably the two things that I try to have happen at some point during the day. To be honest, I'd like to be a little more structured with that. I feel, um, you know, as long as they happen at some point during the day, I'm okay with that. Again, working for myself, you know, I, I have that flexibility, but I do think that they're, um, the more structured they could be, the, I think the better off and the more productive that my day will be. I'm always working on my productivity and I don't think I'm ever going to get to a point where I'm really happy with it. End of the day is, uh, again, something else I'm really fascinated with people. And I've been looking at this, uh, it's a lot of what I listen to when I listen to a podcast, I'm listening to it for a reason. And I'm looking to see what it is that people do. Because I think to your point, Brian, you were saying about success is uh, stringing together a series of, of successful days. I'd even break it down even further and believe that a successful day is stringing together a, a, a set of practices that allow you to maximize your potential. So journal writing for me is is a huge thing. Um Something else I just started started with is a generosity practice where um, uh, with the idea that the more I give, the more, you know, will come back to me somehow. Um, and so uh, it's just I try to do try to do one thing a day that um, where I give something in a way, whether it's it's not, not so much from a money perspective or a gifts perspective, but usually insight to somebody or something that allows them to see themselves differently than, than they would have thought otherwise. End of the day, I don't really have any set routines. I did go through a, a bout where I was struggling with, with uh, my sleep and I began to sort of uh, put some things in place. So I stopped. No, co- I, I could, I was the kind of guy that could, I could drink coffee at any point during the day and it didn't affect my sleep. But I think with an I just recently turned 50. So with that, um, I think maybe some hormonal shifts, I think with, with the age change as well too, have had an impact on my sleep. So I, I was more diligent during that time when I was trying to correct it, that I had a, a more of a set routine. But I don't have one at this point in time. But it is something that I want to create. Because typically at night, I just sort of collapse when I'm ready to go to bed. But I'd like to have something more formal that I actually put myself through to sort of go to bed with with the right kind of mind frame so that whatever's going on while I'm sleeping is working in my favor. Yes, I love it. I love <laughs> it. That reminds me of uh, the book Psycho-Cybernetics where they you know, it's about programming the subconscious. And do, they, would, they would talk about in that book of, you know, if you have a big problem or something you're trying to solve – place it, you know, meditate on it for a little bit and then go to bed, let it go and your subconscious will work it out and then the solution will pop up when you're walking or when you're, you know, in the shower or whatever it is. Yeah, um, that's a good point with the walking, by the way. And I think that that's what happens for me is these things I'm working on, the solutions seem to pop up when I'm walking. When I'm movement, that kind of movement for me just allows these ideas to come up that it's like that just don't seem to come up otherwise. So yeah, walking walking is going to be, a, is going to play a bigger role 
in my life, actually, because I said it really, there's something about it that really helps me focus and, and, and sort of concentrate on the things that I really want to, I really want to get done. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I could sort of break that down a little bit, I love just breaking things down and and getting them to their break it down, my friend break stage. So it's like when you're walking, you know, you're moving forward, assuming you have good posture, your chest is up, your spine is aligned. You're in the perfect state to receive what's next, right? You're, and, and, and it's, 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 you know, everything reflects as within, so without. So you're in this internal state of, you know, you're in yourself and you're moving forward. And so the universe is going to reflect that. And you're going to be able to move forward on ideas or projects or things that are working themselves out. Um, I'm curious, 8 to 10 kilometers, does that compare in steps? People say 10,000 steps. Yeah. That seems like a lot of walking. Is that like hours a day? Of- it is. Uh, and in and, and the last – I was doing – so essentially the goal is 70 kilometers in a week is what I'm trying to do. Uh, okay. Uh, last week – so the long weekend I was at a friend's cottage. So uh, there wasn't uh, – I did get some I, – I should have done more walking there actually. Um, well, don't shit on yourself. Yes, exactly. You, you know, no, no, no. where I uh, – yeah, I actually – yeah. Um, I say I should have, but to be honest, I, I'm not worried about it because it, it all, it, it'll all kind of work itself out. I, the way I'm looking at it today is, you know what, you get right back on track and that, which is also, I think, symbolic of the way we should be approaching. Things are not going to go, things never go the way we want them to go. Even when you got the perfect plan in place and it's learning to let those things go. And as you said, you know, yeah, I should have did this. I should have done that. Uh, to me, it's not so much about what happened. It's, it's how you recover from those things. That's really important. And so today I, so I, I, I did, I, I did four or five kilometers before, uh, before the call. Uh, I think, I think 10,000 steps works out to about seven and a half kilometers. So, okay. uh, probably about 15,000 steps usually works out to, uh, uh, I think it's, or, or maybe I have to forget. I did look at it. I'll, I'll have to forget, but but uh, or, or figure out what that was again. But I think it's. I think it might be fifteen thousand steps. Is usually about ten kilometers. I think. Okay. Or eighteen thousand, something like that. But yeah, I mean, all all the the best science and research is is just showing us, you know, how good it is for us to be up and moving. And I actually appreciate some of the work and the jobs that I've had for that reason. Because um, they forced me to be on my feet and moving and mobile. So even if I don't do a ton of physical activity outside of that, I'm sort of taken care of. Um, yeah. Um, I, and I think the, I, I was going to say, too, with that, um, the other great thing. So I've, I've got uh, I've got the health app on my phone now and uh, which which does all the all the step counting and kilometer tracking. And the other great thing with that, too, you know, again, the health and fitness activity aspect of this is we often don't consider, we only consider workouts to be when we carve out time to work out. But when you are looking at getting a total number of kilometers, and as an example, I helped a friend move uh, a few weeks ago and that I actually, uh, with all the, the moving that we did, I walked I, almost four kilometers just with the, just with the moving. And so you don't really, we don't think of our, day-to-day stuff, the stuff that we're doing throughout the typical day to be part of a movement plan, but it really is. And so I just chatted with a friend on the long weekend, actually, who also has dropped about 30 pounds doing nothing other than walking, walking way more than I'm walking, actually. But what that has done for him is it's changed how he uses his workspace. He's got an office that he goes to, but he doesn't sit down anymore. And he's always 
Uh, he's all, he said, and he doesn't gossip as long as he used to either. So he'll have short conversations with people, and then he's off somewhere else. And so he's probably getting closer to 15 or 18 kilometers a day. Um, also going out, he, he gets up early to do a walk as well too. But it's fascinating how you begin to change the way you see um, getting your movement in. And uh, so it, it's not, it doesn't just have to be a single dedicated time throughout the day, which is what I, again, what I like about walking. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying as you're walking, you're talking to yourself. Are you also listening to books or listening to podcasts or is it just your thoughts or is it music? Um, I'm, it's funny. You know what? I'm not a music guy. I, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally to me. I, I, um, listen to it once in a while, but I, I don't gravitate towards music. Um, and podcasts, oddly enough, I like doing podcasts, but I'm not a huge podcast consumer. Uh, what I find with podcasts, uh, in fact, I had one loaded up, one that I did, I, that I did, uh, I interviewed somebody else three years ago that I wanted to listen to because there's an idea that I want to pull out of this for the new show. Um, but as I started to walk, I realized that I didn't, I really wanted, I wanted it to think. So I used the walking specifically to sort out my own thinking. And so I had it there in case I was ready to kind of listen to it. Uh, but typically it's just, it's just to, to go through the thoughts that I have and get them out. And what I do with that as, um, uh, to, is, is to record. So there's a, there's a voice app mm. that, that I have on there too. So it also, as I'm walking, I will record the ideas that I have. And so I've actually found that to be, um, said so walking is, is, is so multifunctional for me because there's so many things that, ha- so many great things that happen all within the context of doing a walk. So not, I don't typically, I have to be in the mood to listen to a podcast. Mm. I love that. I love that. The challenge that I'm finding for myself is, well, first of all, I'm a huge podcast uh, consumer more than more so than is necessary. I think. <laughs> um, unless I have thought about being like a, Essentially, you'd give like the highlights on podcasts through a podcast or through an email newsletter or something and turn that into a service, which has some potential, I suppose. Um, they do think about like The Walking Dead has The Talking Dead that follows up afterwards. They just talk about the show. There's value in that. People would, you know, something that helps people summarize, you know, like Tim Ferriss, his last podcast mm-hmm. that I listened to was like three and a half hours. It took me, <laughs> took me three days to listen to that thing. It yeah. was great, but it's, you know, like, again, it's three and a half hours. You know, it's a lot of, that's a big time commitment for people. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, the the recording, the recording is, that's another awesome tool that I've been using and recommending to people. And again, the challenge here or the part that I don't always get is the going back and listening. And yeah. Similar with the journal. I have all these journals, but I don't always go back and review. So you make scheduled time to review um, the journals or the the notes or how does that look? No, you know it's interesting actually. I'm not I'm not a huge reviewer either. What I do is I rewrite ideas um, over the course of days and weeks and sometimes months. So, um, whoops, sorry, I just pulled my earbuds out. <laughs> my hands, my hands are going all over the place, Brian. I just knocked <laughs> my earbuds out. Um, so what I will. Um, when I start working on an idea, so again, I've been fleshing out um, the new podcast idea and trying to get really clear about what it's about and, and what how mine's going to be different. So I keep rewriting my ideas over the course of weeks and months to keep refining them. So that's my way of, um, of sort of reviewing. Um, the, the other things that, that I try to make a point of doing, and 
sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with, if I leave it, like if I write and I see, I'll come back to this, um, is I'll put them in Evernote. Like I'll take ideas. So sometimes like some of the things I jotted down today were podcast ideas. Um, what I need to get in the habit of doing is when I, I, I've got, uh, I finally had Evernote set up really, really well for me now. So I can, so have I, I've got one notebook that's specifically for podcast ideas. What I need to get in the habit of doing is when I put that down in my journal is immediately just pull out my phone and add that into my thing right away. And I just put a little check mark beside it so that I know when I'm going through my journal that that's already been recorded. Um, but yeah, that's, um, uh, I, I need to be, uh, something that I'd like to be a little more efficient with as well too, in terms of just making sure that I'm getting those ideas somewhere so that I know where to go, you know, when, when I'm ready to use some kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. I like that, you know, constant refinement, right? Instead of looking back and reviewing, it's just refining and sticking with an idea or sticking with a thread or a concept. That sounds like a very, uh, you know, a very useful way to really get to that clarity instead of just being flooded with ideas and hopping around idea to idea to idea, which I've done in the past. And I think a lot of people tend to do. I think we all do that. Right. I think it's, and again, mm. and it's, 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 see, this is sort of thinking out loud. Cause I had, I'd never really thought about this actually as I do it. I just noticed that that's cause I've had people say, have asked me because I, I, I journal so much, like, you know, could you teach us how you journal? And I, like, well, I don't really, I, I haven't really given much thought to it, but the, yeah, that I, I constantly repeating, themes and ideas just to, I, again, for me, it's just, I want to clarify my thinking so that I can get really, really clear, which has worked really, really well. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't, uh, it's interesting as we talk about this, that realizing that that is one of my strategies, that's how I get around review is that I just, the ideas that are really important, I just keep refining them. I keep, I, I have no problem rewriting. Actually, one of my posts today was very similar to what I talked about yesterday. I just sort of extended the talk. I just continued to sort of go beyond what I had wrote written about yesterday. Rewrote what I wrote yesterday in my again in my own words, and then kind of extended it. Nice, nice, yeah. And then that way you've sort of built in this consistency um, of working with the same stuff, which again can be a big uh, stumbling block is being consistent, right, in whatever it is you're doing. And, and it seems, you know, consistent action is what brings the results we need. So I love that. I love that idea. Can I jump on the consistency thing for a second? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, especially in the health and fitness space, that's um, is is consistency is not sexy, but I do believe that it is the most powerful tool that people could have in their toolbox is that um, most people never stick with anything long enough to actually get the results that we we jump from one sexy solution to the next and so if you were to say to somebody who's struggling if i was to say well listen tell me one thing that you've done consistently in the last year i pretty much know i'm going to get blank stares they're not going to be able to tell me they're doing anything and so you know we we underestimate the power of consistency it's if you could, if you could, you know, back, and I'm, I'm kind of linking this back to when we talked about behavior change earlier, uh, but something else when you talk about behavior change is it's something called the law of the vital few. And we, we tend to think that big problems require big solutions, but it's actually the opposite is that uh, big problems usually crumble under, you know, the weight of a small solution. And if you, you only need two or three of the right solutions bundled together that you did consistently, not just for days and weeks, but for months and years. And if you figure out what they are, and they're different for everybody, but when you figure out what those three are and you just and you commit to those without fail, 
amazing things happen, but that's not the way that people approach behavior change. So we kind of jump from program to program, um, you know, until we lose interest or we just find out it's way too hard and it's not sustainable. Uh, and then we quit and we go on to something else. But there's no consistent. The, the common denominator for everyone who struggles is there's no consistency. They're just there's nothing that they're doing on a consistent basis that allows them to get the results that they're hoping to get. Yeah. And it, just thinking about that, it makes me wonder what would happen to entire industries if people did have the consistency and the tools and the patience to stick with something. Um, I feel like entire industry, industries would dry up because they would no longer be able to exploit that aspect of struggle. There, There's no reason that the, the fitness industry – like again, there, there is – there are hundreds upon thousands of new – products that come out every year in the fitness industry and, and solutions and courses and all those sorts of things um, that are all essentially the same sort of stuff that's come out for years and years and years. But there's really only a handful of things that actually work. The, 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 the fact is people, because, because we don't understand change, we keep thinking that someone else is going to fix us and someone else has got the solution for us. And so we keep jumping to all these different solutions, which are not catered to our unique DNA and, you know, I said at the end of the day, they're just not sustainable long term. And so people quit, you know, for four or five months and then they jump onto another solution and then they quit and they jump onto another one. And we have a lifetime of that, you know, and they said, no, there's there's no consistency from any of the different things that they've done. They just keep jumping from solution to solution. But again, that's not a sexy solution to sell. And you're right. There's a lot of industries that would dry up if you realize that there's only a handful of things that you need to know how to do. To actually create change in any area of our lives, whether it's, you know, you're looking to lose weight or improve a relationship or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious um, if you can speak about what it is you've sort of been working on in your time offline. Um, and and I, I just want to acknowledge you for taking that time offline because it's not an easy thing to do for most of us. But it's so crucial at times um, to stay just healthy and sane and like human. Yeah. Um, so props on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy. Yeah. I'd be happy to share. Uh, you know, and I'll actually jump back a bit, and I'll, I'll tell you why I decided to take myself offline. And this is a Dean yeah. Dwyer thing. This is this is understanding how I operate. But when I when I got into all the stuff I was doing, and I started my podcast, and I had my blog, I was doing a lot of stuff, and I was doing this stuff because that was the stuff people may or may not be able to see this, but in quotation marks, it's the stuff you're supposed to do. And I felt like um, I had been pulled in a million different directions, and I really didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. Again, when I started the podcast, um, you know, the idea was it's a great way to, to drive traffic. And yet, uh, I didn't exactly know what my podcast was supposed to be. And it, it changed from was was initially going to be a health show to the fact that I realized I was really fascinated with lifestyle design. How do people go about designing a life on their own terms, which is what I was really fascinated with. And so... I got to the point where, you know, I, I, I had uh, the first blog was Being Primal, which is where I, I, I kind of, you know, became known. Uh, then I had the podcast. Then I started DeanDwire.com. So I had all these different things that I was trying to manage. And it got to the point where, uh, and you know, as a podcast listener, like I would vanish for months at a time because I didn't know what the show was and I didn't know exactly why I was doing it and um, and I struggled with that. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I decided that for me, um, the way I operate best is that I'm I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. I can't I can't do the sort of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I I end up doing everything poorly. 
And so I decided to take everything offline. I, I deleted all my websites, deleted my podcast, that podcast, you can't find my podcast anymore on iTunes, um, to just really get clear on what it was that I wanted to do. And it's been interesting because it's been almost a year now. And my initial, my two years since I put a podcast, almost two years since I put a podcast out, but my initial plan was I thought I'll be ready to come back online in January, 2015. And I had an idea, sat on that for a couple of months and then realized that I still really, it, it didn't allow me to do everything I wanted. And then I had another idea that I sat on for a couple of months and this went on about four or five different ideas to the point where, um, so what I'm actually going to come back with now and, and what I'm going to focus on is different than what I was focusing on before. Um, but it's, it's really, um, this idea of, first of all, trying to come up with a, a term for what it is that I do. Cause I never knew when I, other, when people had asked me before, I, I didn't know how to tell people what it did. Cause I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I was, you know, I was trying to help people change how they look, but I, Again, I didn't know if I was a habits guy. I wasn't sure what I was. And so that was, again, just a lack of clarity on my part in terms of, of what it was I was really doing. But what I'm, what I, the next, and I'm looking at this as a project, meaning it could be, Brian, it could be two years. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. I don't know. I don't know how long this will go, but uh, it will, it, you know, I'm not looking at this from the standpoint of this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, which was a huge mistake I made in the first thing I did is, by creating a blog called Being Primal, I had no direction. I couldn't move anywhere. I was stuck in that space. I didn't allow myself to evolve. So the podcast is going to be called just the Dean DeWire Show, which I didn't want. I didn't want to call it that because I'm not a big name. Um, that name doesn't sell. Like the Joe Rogan experience. Joe Rogan is a big name. He's he's a TV actor. He's a UFC announcer. Um, so his name has cachet. Tim Ferriss, another guy, big name. Um, but I also don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And I realize that the reason that I'm calling it the Dean DeWire show is that it will allow, I, I want it to be a long-term project. I don't want to do, you know, I've learned the lessons from the last one. Uh, it's going to be a long-term project and I want to give myself the flexibility to evolve as I evolve. So right now it's, it, the tagline is, um, re-engineer your life. And what I'm going to be doing is just focusing on how do people go about, changing course in life. So if, for example, if you're currently an employee, but you want to start your own business, how do people actually go about doing that? What are the steps that happen, you know, from that point where you decide that you want to do something to actually making that something happen and sort of focusing on that. So I'm, that's, that's the area that I'm going to be focusing on. And, and so there are going to be a lot of similarities to what I did before, because um, the thing that I really enjoyed in the last podcast is I really enjoyed interviewing people um, and sort of finding out their origin stories. Where were you? What were you doing? What did you get into? And let's talk about all the steps that happened in terms of how you evolved as a person, how your mindset evolved, people you talked to, um, habits that you developed that really helped you get there. So like getting into all that stuff. And so that that's where I'm going to move next. And it's the first time in my life I've ever had the kind of clarity where it's like, yeah, like I already... I know now how different things could fit in because with the other shows I was telling you, I had a new show idea, the interviews didn't fit. And I thought, well, maybe then I just won't do interviews. They'll just be all solo shows. But the interviews are really incredibly important for me personally because I get to ask somebody exactly what I said to you earlier offline. I get to ask exactly all the questions that I want to ask so I can learn everything that it is that I want to learn about what they've done. And then I get to share that with people 
and then turn that into products and talks and all those sorts of things. Not to mention the fact that I get to meet some really cool people and those relationships last. Like they stick. I run into these people at conferences and we hang out and, you know, I can email them and I get an immediate response back. And so there are so many benefits to that. So I wanted to be able to have that. I didn't want it to just be a solo show, but I realized that I needed to get clear on. Um, so I, I started thinking about different aspects. Well, what about an author who comes out with a book? Um, you know, can I have them on the show? And it's like, I can if it fits into this concept of re-engineering your life, right? So it might be a particular strategy that they're talking about. I can have them on the show. Uh, I can have a celebrity on the show. If I, you know, met an actor that if they, again, if their story fit with the kinds of stuff I was doing, I could have them on that show. When I had the makeshift happen show, I said, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that show was supposed to be. So I struggled with that. Now I know that I know exactly how this show can play itself out. Uh, I can see all the possible options that exist and, it ties into I always try to solve I always try to create a business and products around the problems that I'm currently working on. And these are the things that I've always been fascinated from. Um, again, I think we were talking offline, but, you know, things change for me. Or maybe I mentioned in the introduction, things changed for me when I met a teacher in my third year who actually was a consultant and just getting her story. I've always loved that. I've always loved like hearing people's stories and trying to dissect exactly what they did to you re-engineer the path that they were on. So that's where I'm going to go. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it sounds like a lot of fun and just, you know, great concept and uh yeah. Very cool. Very very cool. I'm I'm I mean, I I see some of what I do in a similar fashion um and I still have struggled with, you know, the name of the podcast and do I put my name in there and what's the best branding strategy and you know, that whole deal. Um, and so redefining reality is what I landed on because I feel like it can encompass a lot. Um, but it's so true that just the power of ideas and the power of connecting with people that have taken a different path can completely shift your thinking and then your life, right? Because you see what's possible. It's like as humans, all we can go off is what we observe and what we experience. And so if you never meet somebody who owns their own business or who used to do this job and now is doing something completely new, um, I mean, when I told someone what it is that I do, um, which is an optimal health coach, they thought, how, how did you get into that? And it's like, well, I, I kind of just created it. Like it didn't exist before, but I know the skills and the things I'm passionate about. And so I put them together and this is what I'm calling it. Currently, it might evolve. It probably will. So I love I love getting able being able to just share the possibilities um, because it all starts with the mind, right? It all starts with the thoughts. And if you want to change your body, change your thinking. If you want to change your relationships, change your thinking. If you want to change where you live or how you work, change your thinking. So I love that. I love that. And I mean, you don't know this. Um, I actually used to study engineering. I was going to be an engineer. So I was I was studying automotive. Uh, and vehicle engineering technology wow. at uh, at McMaster. Um, halfway through my first years, when I got really sick, my appendix burst. I almost died. Yes, yeah, started 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 getting into health. Then my mom got diagnosed with cancer the year after. She's great now. It's been amazing, an amazing journey. But so that's what took me from being, you know, Brian Hardy, automotive engineer designer, to Brian Hardy, optimal health coach. Um, so. 
yeah, it's just, it's just, and, and it, it, it was having podcasts to learn from and to get support through and to have sort of mentors in a way um, that really got me through all the rough times um, during that transition. So now I feel like I'm at the point where it's time to stop consuming as much and just producing more, right? Stop taking in as much and teaching more and sharing more of all the sort of gifts and knowledge I've been studying and accumulating. So it's it's a, it's a fun time. It's a fun time and an interesting season of life, transition, springtime, new beginnings. So, yeah. And I was going to so. say that your, your insight about, about the, the consumption thing, I think is a big insight too, because it, it it's easy to get caught up in consuming information, thinking um, under the guise that, that we're, you know, we're creating change. But the reality is we're not. Most people, you know, like most people proudly say, ah, oh, yeah, I listened to seven podcasts this week, which is great. But if I say to you, just tell me one thing that you did differently this week as a result of listening to those podcasts or one thing you created as a result of that, again, I could probably get people to shut up. They'd be like, oh, well, nothing yet. But and so I, I find that for myself, too, that I, I need to limit what I listen to. So there's only a handful of things I listen to. Um, again, and, and I, I have, I, I've got specific reasons. Like, like, again, I, I listen to Tim Ferriss, but I listen to Tim Ferriss because I want to hear how he thinks. I want to hear I, getting into his head in terms of how he thinks about things and looking to see what I can take that I can either teach to other people or apply to myself. But, but that's a good, great insight for you. That will, that will help you immensely as you move forward, moving from consuming less to creating more. Yeah, and I, I, it's sort of my wish for you know for other people that are on their own journeys, right? It's it's it's, it's where I think real meaning and uh, satisfaction comes from, and even in the most simplest forms. I mean, I realized this for the first time uh, back in high school. I took a trip down to the Dominican Republic with like a church group, and we did construction work for a week. So very basic physical labor, you know, construction work. But I have never been so like fulfilled and peaceful and just content with life than like after that week. And I was just, you know, wheelbarrowing cement all day, every day. And it was amazing. It was great. Um, but it was giving back and creating, you know, creating physical structures, um, creating community. Um, yeah, all things that I, that I love very, very much. I'm hoping, not hoping, planning to integrate more of that stuff into my life on like at least a yearly basis. So like this past year, we went to Guatemala and built a chicken coop. Oh, wow. And again, amazing experience. And uh, yeah, it's hard coming back to Toronto after going and doing that stuff. But go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I think the brilliance of that. And I, I this is one of the re many reasons I love teaching. I love the teaching was great. I love the kids. The kids were fantastic. I love that. And I did find out that I love teaching. But with teaching, there's no start date and end date. Like you, you get kids and you don't know, you have no idea what you've created with them or in them or for them. Um, and I found that really, really hard. But what you're talking about, um, I, I'm really interested now and in, in very into project work that has a start date and an end date because it's very fulfilling to know that you that something has come to an end. And like here's you can point to it and say, here's what I've created. It was hard with teaching because you had no idea what you were doing. And so like the chicken coop thing, I see, I would take great pride in that as well too, because you, 
you started something and you finished it and, and it has value. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, for me now, when I look at create the, the kind of stuff that I want to create, it's project work. And so even when I talked about the podcast, um, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't say, Oh, this is, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I've made that mistake already. I realized that projects have a lifeline. This one will have whatever length it has. Um, but it, there will be a start date, and there will there will be a day when it ends. And uh, I, there's something too that that I find really powerful. Yeah, well, I think it helps our brains to sort of you know make sense of things and understand where it is we're going and what it is we're doing and the impact that we're having. Absolutely, because we're always having an impact. You know, whether we're buying food from some place across the world, or 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 you say you know a good insight for someone you pass on the street. It's always there, but being able to measure it and really see it makes it that much more real in a sense. And motivating. So. That motivates us as well too. When you have these things that mm. never end, you know, they just sort of ongoing, that's tough to keep yourself motivated, you know, for the long term. Yes. Yes. Okay, well we're nearing the end of our time here. I wanna wrap up with a couple questions. Um the first being if there was one thing that you could change say you had the the redefining reality magic paintbrush and you could you could change one fundamental aspect of our current society um let's say that you know north american society toronto whatever you want it to be what would that be oh boy <laughs> um so one thing by the way i'm terrible with these kinds of questions it's one of those ones where I'll come up with an answer and then I'm going to be thinking about it later today and I'll have 10 better answers for it. Um, if one thing about reality that I could change. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go back to something that I said earlier, Brian, that, um, again, I think people are under the misconception that that to change something in your life requires some big, massive change. Like... Um, like when people want to change their careers, a lot of people decide to go back to school and spend another, you know, unseen amount of money to thinking, oh, this is what I need. I need I need to do something big if I want to create a big change that it's 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 the law of the vital few that that there um, you can drastically change the direction of your life in any area of your life with just small things that really move that really move the needle. And if you can take some time to begin reflecting on what those things are and begin sort of focusing on those and doing those things, um, amazing things can happen. And, and as an example, uh, walking, you know, I mentioned the walking thing earlier. That doesn't seem, it's not a sexy solution. Uh, and usually people tell you to walk when, uh, you know, if you can't do anything else, that's the first place you should start. But there's a tremendous amount of power in walking. And if you could consistently do, I know a woman who uh, went from 195 pounds or no, it was 185 to 115. So she lost 70 pounds. And there's three things that she does consistently. She weighs herself every single day. She walks. It was 10,000 steps. She's now up that to between 12 and 15,000. And no sugar. She can't have sugar in her diet. Uh, she does those three things religiously without fail every single day. She lost the weight, which is a good story in and of itself. But there's lots of people that lost weight. Most of those people end up putting their weight back on again. She has maintained those losses now for, uh, I believe this is going on the fifth year, which is a far more inspiring story 
and a rare story than the people who lose. Everyone's got a weight loss story, but most people have put that weight back on again. She took it off. She kept it off because she sticks to the law of the vital few. She knows what works. She doesn't mess with it, and she does it every single day. I love it. Law of the vital few. I'm okay with that answer, actually. I said I was a little worried there, but I like that one. I'll go. I'm, I'm good no, with that one. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. And then one other thing, uh, if you'll sort of, you know, uh, humor me here. I want to, this is something I want to experiment with people. So what is one thing that you are currently in the process or would, would have liked to have let go? Um, about myself or just in general? Or I can answer that anymore, right? Sure. Um, yeah. You know what? I will, I'll tell you one thing that I have been working on. Um, maybe I'll throw in two quick things. I think the first thing for me that I'm letting go of is uh, I just had this conversation with a buddy of mine on the weekend um, whose cottage I was at. When I was uh, – the group of people that I hung out with, um, and maybe this is a guy thing and maybe it was just us, but we were all really sarcastic together. And – it, it sort of it seeped into everything that we did, and it, it just wasn't a great. And all great people, and we were all good friends. But I, it was only in the last couple of years that I began to look at my role in that, and that I was as bad as anybody else in terms of that kind of communication. And I decided that rather than whine and complain to them about being sarcastic, I thought, you know what? I'm first of all, I think I'm a bigger culprit than the rest of them. I'm just going to focus on changing my own behavior. And so what I've let go is, is letting go of that stuff that doesn't add value to people's lives. And, you know, I mentioned to you, I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it offline or not, but um, and, and the shift of that is how can I give to people? How can I make people's lives better? Um, so I've let go of the whole, you know, whatever it is, the snarky comments and the self-deprecating humor is something else that uh, that's a big part of who I have been is that I make fun of myself. And I always think that there's room for that, but I always took it to an extreme to the point where I think you begin to buy into that too. You, you, you start buying into the messages that you're telling yourself. And you mentioned something earlier about, you know, um, you know, understanding, you know, being really aware of the thoughts that you have thoughts become things. And so I, um, uh, so letting go of that and and on the flip side is embracing generosity. How can I give to people, everybody that I interact with? And so how that plays itself out. And again, not from a money monetary standpoint, because that's too easy in my mind. I, I think that that's, that's the easy way out of generosity. I look at it. Uh, so when I go to Starbucks or I go to any service place where I, like where they have to serve me, is I don't go in with the idea that you have to give me great customer service. I go in with the mindset that I'm going to give you great consumer service. And so what can I do to make your day better? So I don't just go in and say, hey, how's it going? I literally, like, I look at them and I'll, I, I mean, it'll be like, so how's, how's everyone treating you today? Or, you know, so like, you know, are you having a good day? But I'm looking at them and it's something where, I'm genuine about what I'm asking. Like I'm genuinely interested in how their day is going. Knowing and, and I know full well, I know the psychology behind it. And you know this, you know this working, you know, at Impact Kitchen that um there's a lot of great people out there, but there's a lot of people that have this mindset of like, you're here to serve me, and they make it very aware that that's what the you know, that's what the relationship is. So you know, getting rid of of the stuff I said and embracing generosity. How can I give to everybody that I encounter on a daily basis so that when we leave each other, 
that they feel good about what's happened. They don't feel like they don't, you know, they feel energetic or inspired or whatever it happens to be. They don't feel that I've sucked the life out of them. So, um, yeah, there's a two part. I gave, I gave two answers to one question. Awesome. I love it. I love good it. Question. Bonus. I really like that question. I'm, you know, Bonus I'm going to steal that question, Brian, on my own. Please do. Well, and this is you the get hack. props. You will get props for that, though. I okay. Well, well, and this is the hack, and this is from coming from a friend of mine named Daniel Eisenman, who's working on a new book called Breaking Normal. And one of his sort of tricks, language tricks, you know, because as we speak, it becomes reality. You know, we speak things into creation. So, anything um, that you want to let go of, negative qualities, whatever you refer to them, just put them in the past, literally. So I started doing this uh, a couple days ago, and it's quite funny. It brings a levity to the whole situation, but I would say, you know, I used to worry about money, or I used to, you know, overthink things, or so for in your case, it could be, you know, I used to be sarcastic, right? So it's not that when people identify, you know, I could ask someone the same question, what are you letting go over? What do you want to change? And it's like, oh, well, I have this problem where I'm always sarcastic or I can't stop eating sugar. And then they're, they're giving it more energy by speaking that way, right? So it's just an interesting little way to, you know, empower your language, as it were. Language is so powerful. I've, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about that, too, in terms of how I use language and how we use language. So even, um, I think I said earlier, um, I had a point where I was struggling with my sleep. I never use, and I, I won't even use it in the show, but there's a word that starts with I that everybody talks about when they struggle with sleep. I didn't. I never use that word. I don't use that word because there's, there's baggage that comes with that word. So my term was sleeplessness. I, I have struggled with bouts. Sorry, not even struggled, because even struggle is, I, I was experiencing bouts of sleeplessness. Uh, and I was very aware of the language that I was using, realizing that I was creating a, a self-fulfilling prophecy if I continued to to talk about it the way most people tend to talk about it. So yeah, language is huge. I like I like the past tense thing. Uh, Tony Horton had a phrase too. He's a Beachbody guy. Um, he talked about you know I presently struggle with, and I love that because what that means is the struggle will end at some point. It's not it's not going to last forever. I presently struggle with pull-ups, meaning at some point you won't struggle with pull-ups. And I, I, it doesn't sound like much, but it's huge. It's huge in terms of how we think about things. So yeah, that's a good one. Yes. That's a really good one. Indeed. Yeah. No. And I mean, words are spells. It's like we're casting spells. I mean, I see the life as a very magical existence. And so we're going around casting spells and people are agreeing with our spells sometimes or disagreeing or they're battling out in some etheric realm. That's a whole other sort of side of things. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to respect our time here and just wrap up and say thank you. Thank you. And I acknowledge you for the work you're doing, um, the shifts that you have made happen in your <laughs> life and the lives of those around you. Well played, um, sir. I like that. <laughs> and, and, and the generosity, um, the, 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 the daily practice of generosity and having that as a conscious intention is huge. Um, and exactly, being someone who's worked in the service industry, who's currently working in the service industry, it's much appreciated. Well, listen, so. thank you. And I really appreciate it. First of all, I said it was so great to actually – I'm glad you said something when, when, when you saw me at, uh, at Impact Kitchen. And I'm glad, that, I'm glad that we had an opportunity to do this. It's been, it's been great. And I look forward to seeing you again in person the next time I'm there. Sounds good, man. All right, Brian. Thank you. Okay. And just last, lastly, 
Where can people follow? Do you want to direct them to anything? If this comes out in June-ish, mid-June, when will, will your stuff be up? Or Twitter or Facebook or any of those? Yeah, I'm not uh, – I, I don't have a focus on social media. It will be the podcast and my email. But DeanDewire.com. Yeah, all, okay. all stuff will be DeanDewire.com. Perfect. Okay. Dean, have a great day. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. up this morning refreshed from the evening dreaming about all the homies i believe in i have so much time to think i got sisters who are mothers and brothers who are fathers to me Ready?